on a Bible along Luke chapter 2 is where we'll be in a minute. This morning starts the 1st of December. Can you believe it's already December? It's hard to believe. And whether we like it or not, December is here. Some of you may still have leftovers left in the refrigerator And I was listening to the news this morning, and according to the FDA, if you did not put those in your refrigerator within two hours after you ate, um, you need to throw them in the trash. If you did get them into the refrigerator within two hours after you ate, there's good news. Your meat, dishes, and your dessert dishes are still good, probably through today. Um, Your green bean casserole, mashed potatoes, things such as that, you probably just need to pass on. or eat at your own risk after this day. So what I'm suggesting is if you have a lot of desserts today and you don't want them to go to waste, today is the day. Enjoy them because tomorrow you probably need to put them into the trash. Christmas music started playing on the radio. People have their lights up. Stores are beginning to be crowded. And guess what? It's only 24 days till Christmas. And like it or not, hope is in the air. And for centuries, hope has always been in the air, founded in this promise that was made long ago, that God had promised to send a deliverer, a savior to his people, the Messiah. Year after year, the prophets reminded the people of God's promise and people waited and they wondered, would this be the year? Then after Malachi, the prophet spoke, there was silence for a four hundred years. Some people forgot the promise. Others doubted it. But there were those that were filled with hope and they waited faithfully. Today starts the season of Advent and Advent is all about waiting. It's an about arrival. And for the next several weeks, we'll be looking at two characters, primarily Simeon and Anna and others who awaited that first arrival of Jesus. And we'll talk about how believers today still wait in expectation for His second coming. And each one of us throughout this holiday season and all throughout the year can be filled with the thrill of hope. I want you to join me in following along. We're going to read um, a rather lengthy section of Scripture that we'll be referring to often during these next several weeks. It starts in Luke chapter 2, verse 22. The words will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible along. But let's read together. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. 
For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was eighty-four. She did not depart from the temple, worshipping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Will you pray with me? God, we thank You that You came to be the Savior of the world. And as we look at this passage and in the next several weeks, the season of Advent, and this morning focusing on hope, we pray, Father, by Your Holy Spirit, that You would fill our hearts and our lives with hope. And we would wait faithfully for what you've promised. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. If I could boil down really the, the whole essence of all of these verses into a sentence, I would tell you that Simeon and, Simeon and Anna waited faithfully for God's promise to be fulfilled. And that's really what all these verses talk about, is this faithful waiting for God to reveal His promise. And the first thing you'll see there, it's in the outline on the back of your bulletin, is that God spoke his promise through the prophets. Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke through these faithful servants, the prophets. These men that heard God's voice and then they spoke his truth to the people. Words that were at times challenging and sometimes comforting. Words that brought promise, hope about a coming Messiah. The one who would be the promised deliverer of God's people. The one who would come to defeat evil and bring about goodness back to the world. The one who Revelation 11 says would reign forever and ever as we sang in the song. Now most people, when they think about the prophets, they remember him them for the words of judgment that they spoke. That they would come and say, God said repent and if you don't repent, this will happen. But those messages are equally balanced as you read through the prophets of judgment and calls to repentance and also promise and hope. And many times the words they spoke were words that brought comfort and words that spoke about redemption. And in this passage, we see two important phrases that talk about these things. The first of all, the one you see there is the consolation of Israel. We're told in this story by Luke that that's what Simeon is waiting for. The consolation of Israel. Referring back to those words in the Old Testament about a time where there would be an incredible sensing of God's presence. That there would be this time of restoration. That God would begin to make all things new. And just like many of you who who have been injured or grieving, you know real consolation requires something more than a than a handwritten card or a phone call it requires a personal visit and god would 
come alongside, would personally visit His people to bring them strength, to bring them comfort. And it would be God in the flesh. He would visit His people, but not just His people, the entire world as well. And He would ease all of their sorrows. He would heal their diseases. He would bring forgiveness of sins. And this one would be the anointed one, the one that is called the Messiah, or when you get to the New Testament, the the Christ. It's a theme if you read through the last chapters of Isaiah 40-66 through that is mentioned over and over again. The verses that Tim read for us earlier in Isaiah 40. Listen to these words. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended and that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then later in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 13, Sing for joy, O heavens, and exalt, O earth, break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted His people and will have compassion on the afflicted. When Charles Wesley wrote his hymn for the Advent, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, you may remember those words. He, he captured the essence of this when he said, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, born to set Thy people free from our sins and fears. Release us. Let us find our hope in Thee. And then he says, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art, deep desire of every nation and joy of every longing heart. But this Messiah would not only be the consolation of Israel, He would also bring about redemption. And we see the second phrase there spoken at the end when it's referring to Anna as the redemption of Jerusalem. Now when it refers to Israel and Jerusalem, it always includes God's people as a whole because Israel the nation and Jerusalem the city represented God's people. And there was a hope that God would come and rescue, would pay the ransom for His people and release them again from bondage. Like we saw in the days of the Exodus when Moses stood before Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And God did let His people go. Israel had longed for God to come once again and to redeem and to restore and to remake and to reform all things And they had a hope that that God would send this majestic king from the line of David. That He would restore worship in the temple and He would bring back peace and wholeness to the city of Jerusalem. Now they looked for this and longed for that for the nation, but God had a plan that was much bigger than the nation of Israel, a plan that would include the the salvation of the entire world. And we know because we've read the New Testament that Jesus ultimately paid the price for our redemption. He is the one that sets us free. And Peter in 1 Peter 1 18 says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways, inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. That we can say, if we are a follower of Jesus in Christ, we are freed from the bondage of sin, and that we are not our own any longer. We've been bought with a price. And we become 
God's treasured possessions, that we belong to Him. And God had promised from long ago to send this Jesus, the Messiah, to save His people. And ultimately, the entire world. You can see more echoes of this in the words of Simeon. If you see in verse 26, Simeon refers to the Lord's Christ. Jesus would be the Lord's promised Messiah. Verse 30, he says, your salvation. And the very name Jesus means God is salvation. Glory to your people, Israel. That the glory, the presence of the Lord was revealed to people, to Abraham, to his descendants, to Isaac and to Jacob, to their children known as Israel. This glory. And that the Messiah, Jesus, would come from Israel. He would be a Jewish Messiah. You see both of these beautifully put together in Isaiah 46.13. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. And my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. And John, when he's writing his record of Jesus coming, says we have seen his glory, the glory as of the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. But God's salvation, remember, is not just for Israel. He would also be a light of the revelation for the Gentiles. A light that would reveal God's purpose and his ways to all people, Jew and Gentile. And this coming of Jesus would bring in the record we read of Jesus' birth, good news of great joys that would be for who? For all the people. And you see this phrase, of all peoples. That God's gift of salvation, the hope that comes at Christmas, is for the whole entire world. Now I know honestly, holding on to promises can be difficult. So what happens? Time passes. Doubt begins to creep in little by little. And sometimes you begin to doubt. And you begin to question, will it ever, is it going to ever happen? Imagine after hundreds and hundreds of years, the prophet Isaiah wrote 700 years before Jesus came. But there were still a few faithful few that were holding on to God's promise. And among this group that were holding on to the promise were these two individuals, Simeon and Anna. And the second thing, the point two there, you'll see in your outline, is that Simeon and Anna believed God's message. They were among those who truly believed in their hearts that God would send a Messiah. We know from reading the story that Zechariah and Elizabeth were also in that number, along with many other women and men that we don't even know about that were waiting. They knew God had spoken. They believed God was faithful and they trusted him to bring into being what he had planned in his time. And Luke gives us two examples, a man Simeon and a lady, Anna. 
And we can look and we can see some common characteristics of these two characters in our story. First of all, they were older or elderly. Now, you may say, wait a minute, we don't know how old Simeon was. And you're right, we don't have an age distinction. Tradition tells us that he was an older man. The Bible tells us he was waiting for the Messiah. And he was waiting, holding on to a promise that was revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. So Simeon hears the Holy Spirit speak to him, give him a promise. And this promise is simply this. Simeon, you're not going to die before you've seen the Lord's Christ. You can read it there in verse 26. What a promise for a faithful saint who is waiting. Simeon, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And we can see in verse 29 that he was ready to depart in peace from the earth after he had seen Jesus. And so that we don't know his age, you could probably imagine that he was an older gentleman who had waited a long time. And once he had been able to see Jesus, he was ready to leave the earth, ready to be with his Lord. Now we have more specific information about Anna. Verse 36 says she's advanced in years. Verse 2 tells us she lived as a widow until she was 84 So depending on how you do the math there, she was at least 84 years old. She may have been over 100 years old if you looked at what age she was married, how long she was married, and then added on the the age that she had been a widow. But there's no doubt that she was of older age and that both of them were longing for the coming of the Messiah. And in that, they were faithful. Simeon we see described as righteous and devout. We see that the Holy Spirit was on him. And we see that he trusted God and he trusted in his promises. Anna is described as a prophetess who did not depart from the temple. So she was one who received revelation from God, truth from God. And she dedicated the rest of her life after the death of her husband to serving God in the temple, worshiping with prayer and fasting both day and night. And so they were both faithfully holding on to what God had promised and they were faithfully serving God and walking in His truth where they were. But we also see they were waiting. Verse 25 and verse 38 both share with us the same Greek word. It means to wait for or to anticipate. And it carries with it the idea of welcoming or receiving. So I'll give you two examples. First of all, just imagine a child who is anxiously awaiting for a friend or a cousin or a grandparent to come to their house. And there's not enough paper to count the number of times they say, are they there? Are they here yet? Or they run to the door and they look out the door. They look out the window. They can't wait. There is anxiousness and there is anticipation. The other example is your pet. Um, after you have um, been gone and when you soon arrive home, you can tell that they are, have anxiously anticipated your arrival by their jumping around and their spinning and their tail wagging. Um, they could just be glad to see you. They might be hungry or more than likely they need to go to the bathroom. Um, but they are nonetheless excited to see you. And so this word for waiting is the word that they use when we talk about um, Advent because Advent means arrival or appearance of something. And we have this word waiting and really the season of Advent that 
that many celebrate is awaiting the arrival or anticipating or celebrating the arrival of the Lord Jesus. Looking back to his first coming and reflecting on that with joy and looking forward with anticipation to his second coming. And in that they were waiting, but they were also hopeful. They were hopeful. Hope by itself is really just not ever enough. Because we can say we hope for a lot of things. Hope I get off a little bit early from work today. I hope there's enough in the checking account to make it to the end of the month. Or I hope I have enough gas to get to the the gas station. But isn't it true that hope in the Lord is always more than enough? Think about Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says, hoped against hope. Believing that God's promise to him was true. And what did he believe? That God would indeed make him to be the father of many nations, even though the odds were against him. He was old and childless. His wife was old and past the age of childbearing. But yet God promised them that he would be the father of many nations. What about Naomi in the book of Ruth? We find out there that Naomi has what lost her, her hope. But Ruth, her daughter-in-law, holds on to hope and goes out in search of favor and finds Boaz. Hope restored. Because you know what? Hope in the Lord never disappoints. And it's true today, just like it was back then. Hoping hearts still find fulfillment in Jesus. It's true. Hope placed in the right spot will always be rewarded. And we see that because Simeon and Anna were satisfied. They experienced the fulfillment of their hope. That promise that Simeon received, he wouldn't die until he saw the Lord's Christ. Wow. Could you just imagine That here is this gentleman, he's led to the temple by the Holy Spirit after he's received a message from the Holy Spirit. And there he comes across Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. And he knows immediately that this is the one. Mary and Joseph are there to present Jesus, their firstborn, because the law instructed them to. And Simeon takes Jesus up into his arms. He blesses God and praises him for his salvation. And as we read on in the story, we find out, and the New Living Translation brings it out, I think, a little bit better, that just as this was happening, Anna came along, just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began praising God, and she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. If you're a grandparent, I want you to just think for a second about these two saints from your perspective what happens in your heart when you hear the grandkids are coming or there's going to be a new baby in the family brings life excitement joy all rolled up in the tiny people we call grandchildren but imagine these two seasoned saints and the experience they had When what they had waited faithfully for and waited hopefully for was finally 
made known to them. I wrote these words down from an old old hymn. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till He appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new glorious day. O holy night. They were joyful and they were satisfied. I want to read you a portion of a devotional. It's written by a gentleman named Christopher Ash that I think really catches a glimpse of what it must have been like to be there when, when Simeon experienced this. May I hold your baby? He asks as people push past and the busyness of the day bustles around them. You may. And so in a moment that sends a tingle down my spine, this old believer gently takes the little baby in his arms. He has waited so long. But now he knows his wait was not in vain. It's an extraordinary moment for any of us. The first time we hold a little baby in our arms, cradling the floppy head, holding him or her close and safe. Such a bundle of tiny limbs and measureless possibilities. What will this child become, we ask, as we look into their eyes? What will the future hold for them? And yet somehow Simeon knows. This little boy with poor parents who perhaps speak with a rough Galilean accent. This boy who looks so ordinary. This child is the Lord's Messiah. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in this little bundle of life. You see, the last thing in your outline there is that Simeon and Anna received hope for the future. God's promise from long ago held on to throughout the years. Faithful waiting and finally fulfillment. Hope for the future. Listen to what Isaiah wrote. 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. It will be on that day. Behold, this is our God. We have waited for Him that He might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for Him. Let us be glad and rejoice in His salvation. See, Israel and God's people waited. Waiting for God to come and save them, to release them. To rejoice and be glad in salvation. And we see the gladness, the joy, the salvation in His Son, the Messiah. Jesus who is the Christ. Isaiah in chapter 7 verse 14 foretells it. Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call His name Emmanuel. God with us. John witnessed it. John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is the one only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And we are the beneficiaries. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have what? Everlasting life. Countless lives changed throughout the years. They receive eternal life. And today, God's people, faithful followers of Jesus, still wait, not for His first coming, 
but for his return. As Titus records it, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. In 1993, the group New Song released a song called Fingertips and Noses. I think Christie's actually sang it here um, at our church. Um, supposedly based on a true story about a lady named Mrs. Jones who taught a special needs class in, in Kentucky. And just listen to these words. Up in the hills somewhere in Kentucky in a little old school way back in the nothing where special kids born with special needs are sent to learn life's ABCs. Their teacher, Mrs. Jones, tells them all about Jesus, how in the twinkling of an eye, he's coming back to get us. About streets of gold and pearly gates, how they want to go, they just can't wait. And she can't keep them in their seats. They're all at the window, straining to see. And it's fingertips and noses, Pressed to the window panes, longing eyes, expecting hearts for him to come again. All they know is that they loved him so. And if he said he'd come, he's coming. And they can't keep their finger, keep their windows clean for fingertips and noses. Are you waiting in hope today? Is your nose pressed against the window of your life looking and longing for God's promise? Simeon and Anna waited faithfully for God's promise to be fulfilled. So here's the truth for us today. We know Jesus came as a baby to be the Savior of the world. And we know He's coming again this time as a conquering king. Are you ready? Are you excited? Are you hopeful? Here's some things that may help. Believe God keeps his promises. No matter how long, no matter how hard, remember, God keeps his promises. Remember, He's faithful and you can trust in Him completely. God desires nothing more from any of us than for you and I to abandon ourselves to Him and to trust Him completely. To fall completely into His arms and say, God, I am yours. Trust in Him completely. And know that hope in God is never disappointed. Hope in God is never disappointed. Because hope is not about an event. It's not about circumstances. Hope is a person. Hope is a person. And 1 Peter 1, 3-5 tells us this, that Jesus is our living hope. Amen? Will you say that, but will you personalize it this morning? Will you just say, Jesus is my living hope. Let's go ahead and say that together. Jesus is my living hope. Say it one more time. Jesus is my living hope. And only when you believe and trust in him will you truly be hopeful. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful that we celebrate on this first 
Sunday in December, the hope that comes in the living hope of the living Lord Jesus. And in the example of these two, Simeon and Anna, we are reminded that faithful waiting on you is never, ever disappointed. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that you would help us to be hopeful people that are filled with the hope that only you can provide. And that we would be messengers of your hope in the places that we go to the people that we meet. And that we would long with our hearts for your return. And all the while, be about your business of sharing the good news about the one who is the consolation of Israel, the Redeemer of Jerusalem, the great Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray and we rejoice this morning in His name. Amen.